Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Goalie Science, presented by Resilient Hockey, your premier hockey rehabilitation providers. My name is Ben Cernick. As always, I'm here with Jamie Phillips. Hello, Ben. Nice to be back with you again in, in what, second time in less than 24 hours? Yeah, for everyone listening, this is our second try at this week's episode. We're not going to point fingers. Uh, we're not here to play the name, the blame game here as goalies. We understand that things are multifactorial, and you can't always blame Jamie for everything. So we're taking the, the high road here. Except this one definitely was my fault. Uh, we ran out of storage when <laughs> we were mid-recording and lost it because I didn't save it to the cloud. So, but Jamie, but Jamie, this is a good segue because this week. We're going to talk about something that is sometimes a goalie's mistake or sometimes a person's mistakes. We're going to talk about bad goals and the way that we look at how we classify goals in general. Um, I'd actually like you to start first this time. I started yesterday first, but this time we're going to let you go first. Jamie, when you think about goals in general, um, whether when you were playing or as you're coaching now, how do you kind of bin or classify goals when you see them happen? Yeah, that's a good question. Sorry, I got to get my thoughts in order. I'm not in my normal environment in my bedroom. I'm, I'm at the Michigan Tech library, so I'm a little, little flustered. But yeah, uh, so I take the way I classify goals. Like most things I do, I, I steal from Derek Bujan, and this is the one I stole as well. So the way that I that he categorized it and that how I how I categorize it is a goal is a coulda, shoulda, had no chance. And I like to use that verbiage. Obviously, it's not super scientific, but it's easy for young goalies to understand. And I think when it comes to understanding what is a bad goal, it's really important that young goalies have that uh, that baseline of understanding, so that you know they can uh, they can learn obviously from a young age. But they set some realistic expectations, and it helps long term development, and hopefully reduces the amount of like frustration and pressure that they feel and put on themselves as they grow and develop into older, mature athletes. Yeah, and, and I agree with all of that. Um, I look at it a pretty similar way, um, except I have a, a fourth category. So instead of saying could have, should have, and had no chance, I like to keep it even simpler where I say something's a bad goal, it's stoppable, it's a good goal, or it's flat out weird. 
because uh, I think acknowledging like the weird category can same thing that you said I think it's sometimes helpful for young kids is knowing when a goal is just weird um have you ever had like someone come up to you and be like oh there's this play where like they took a shot and it hit the defenseman then it went off the player then they passed it back out then it went off my pad in the net and I'm like I there's what, what do you even say to that <laughs> oh yeah that's so many it's like hey that, well so I was you know I was set and then all of a sudden you know there's like six guys in front and it, I'm pretty sure it was tipped but it went off some guys like I don't know what you're talking about there's yeah I, and that's why i have that weird bucket i mean it's probably in your had no chance bucket like you yeah you know it's probably the same thing but the way that i kind of define them and i think in, intuitively it's the same way you do is that i call a bad goal um bad when a goalie makes a really clear mistake mm-hmm. uh, like a really big mistake you know like being two feet off your angle and the puck beats you far side like that's that's just a kind of a bad goal by nature you because you made that big mistake um, or a series of small mistakes. And I think that's what we're going to talk about in a little bit here. But I think that's important to know that bad goals are, are oftentimes, um, they're bad because there's a lot of stuff you should have done differently, right? Like that's your should have, right? Like you should have done things differently. That's what led to the goal. And then that stoppable, it sounds like your could have category is like, yeah, you could have done something different, right? Like it, it, you didn't do something in, inherently wrong, but could have played this a little bit differently or, or, or saw that developing faster and, and that it's like it's like that exam question it's like which one of these is the most correct yeah what you did was right it just wasn't the most right yeah and like i think the classic example like the thing that always jumps to my mind when i think about like a stoppable goal or like a could have had a goal is like a goalie mismanaging their depth where it's like not really a mistake um like all oh, that backdoor goal i had no chance on it it's like well you were a foot and a half outside the crease so that's yeah, why you're that's you why you're out your momentum like yeah <laughs> yeah or like you come flying across don't get set and the guy goes bar down on you and it's like well you were floating out on him for about two and a half seconds there and never got your feet set um those are situations where it's like yeah you, you could have had that that's miss maybe stoppable and then lastly you said it no chance good goals Look, sometimes as goalies listening out there and coaches, you definitely know this, but goalies, you should know this too. Sometimes a goal goes in, you cannot do anything about it. A double back door and a two on out, you just think about it and, you know, peel the puck out of the net and move on. But mm-hmm. the reason we wanted to talk about this today is because realistically, and I see this a lot, is that I think a lot of goalies call goals like, they're, they're, oh, I had no chance. I think too many goalies say they had no chance on goals. I think there's way too many goals we just throw in that like no chance bin or that good goal bin. There's lots of good goals, probably not as many as you think. Probably most of them fall into like that stoppable or yeah. that like could have done something different approach, right? What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. And it's hard again because it's it's very variable. Every situation is going to be different. Again, we, we're trying to simplify and categorize as, as best as possible, but we're not going to be able to you know, cast a net wide enough to catch every single goal. But yes, too many goalies will, will say, oh, I absolutely had no chance. It was a great shot. And for me, I would probably categorize that under the could have, something like that. Say like, say like a straight shot from the top of the circle, uh, no traffic, you were in position. Everything was good. It's not one of those should have because it was a good shot. So, But you did all the things right. You know, there was just a tracking delay or you got beat. You know, that's a little different than, say, you know, a puck through traffic with a backdoor pass to a guy as one-timer. That makes things a lot more difficult. Um, but I think a lot of it just comes with some ownership and accountability and understanding that you can give up goals that are, ah, I should have had that, and still not let that eat away at you mentally. Totally. Also, 
allow you to give you something to to work towards and strive towards to improve upon. And it's not always, oh, I'm just a great shot. I had no chance. It, it's like I was in position. I just, or like I was just slightly off position or I didn't read the, the release or I didn't have a head check. So I didn't know what handy was. And so it's just understanding that most goals for me that you came up are probably could haves. Mm-hmm. You don't see a lot of should haves. Should haves, again, those are true bad goals where the goalie is way off his angle. You know, Stop stealing my examples. We're going to get there in a second. Way off angle, way off square, You know, blew up a puck off his chest or glove that resulted in like a third or fourth rebound that could have easily be controlled. Mostly the goals that go in are just, you know, could haves. Yeah. And that's going to guide us perfectly into kind of our topic today, our, our finally getting to our topic, which is we want to talk about some of kind of the, some discussions around stuff that's if it's a bad goal, if it's a if it's a stoppable goal, and kind of some things that that we see uh, in that bad category that I think with a few small mental approaches or some maybe some physical changes, uh, goalies can can identify parts of their game that are maybe leading to goals that are a little bit worse than they maybe think they are. Like I said, I always think um, sometimes that goalies are maybe sometimes think too many goals are not their fault um but at at times definitely some people can be way too hard on themselves too so we're here to iron out with only our opinion and absolutely no facts whatsoever what we think are zero facts today uh what are bad goals and what are some of the common ones we see so the first one that i want to talk about is what i call the snowball goal uh it's like that snowball goal very simply put is you make a small mistake that leads to a second mistake that leads to a third mistake that leads to the puck being your net and I, my least favorite snowball goal um, is the clean shot from distance, bad rebound, uh, where it's like in, it starts the cascade of a, of a play. So the, the example I always tell is back when I was in college, wrist shot from like just outside the top of the circle, clean, like what guy didn't really step into or anything, but just palms me right in the glove and I send that puck right into the corner, right? You know what? That's an okay rebound, but that's hit me in the glove like that's probably a whistle right play keeps going we lose the battle in the corner corner they cycle it out put it back out to that defenseman again who walks to the middle this time puts it through a screen hits a tip off my pad rebound goal um and you know if you just look at that goal in a in a, in a vacuum it's like oh you know traffic tip rebound that's a pretty nasty combo for a goalie right there's not a lot of stuff that we're often trying to correct on that but that whole play only started because I gave a, a, a what we would call a bad rebound 20 seconds before that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you said it right there in a vacuum where we get tunnel vision and we focus too much on the goal itself. It's one thing where a rush play comes in and a guy shoots it from just outside the blue and you mess it up. That that's and it goes in. That's you know that's on you. But if that rush play, the guy risks it and it blows off your chest, and it turns into another play and the puck stays in your zone for an extended period of time. The goal itself may not be a bad goal, but the play leading up to it result. We classify that, or Ben and I would, as a bad goal because it was very much avoidable. Now, again, I think you said this yesterday when we recorded that you can't guarantee that they don't score right off the faceoff that you cover it. But again, that's 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 hockey. You can't control everything, despite you know our best intentions. So I, I would agree, and I, I struggle. I don't struggle with that, but well, some of my goalies will struggle with that. Well, they'll play a puck, and it ends up in a turnover, and then it ends up in a goal like 30 seconds later, the play is in the zone, and I go, and they'll be like, what's wrong with that goal? 
they're like, well, I didn't this, and I didn't do that. They're like, no, man, like, you turned the puck over. You didn't take a look where you were going behind the net. And they're like, oh, okay. And so I just want to emphasize that that is the importance of everything we do because it can be a domino effect into, you know, into goals against. And so it's really important that we work on all those aspects of the game and then we think critically and analyze, you know, the pl- not only the goal, but the play leading up to the goal. Yeah, and that's something that I've echoed a lot recently uh, is if you're a goalie right now or you're a coach of a goalie or a parent of a goalie and your team is getting hemmed in a lot and, and long periods of time in your own zone, like a goalie's a part of that. Like you are a part of your team's in-zone defense as much as the position is reactive. Um, there's times where you know you can make that play work out better where that long delayed time in zone you you can you can contribute to that right positively and negatively so that's one of the reasons one of the first goals that i always like to talk about it's i would say i'm a little bit fascinated with that i think i would love to do this as a project to try to quantify just how many controllable rebound goals or sequence development plays happen out of that because i think maybe there's something there maybe there's not you don't know until you look but jamie that's our first goal we want to talk about yesterday and now today i want to have this conversation again you mentioned it earlier my big question mark going into this season, and I am still scratching my head on this, is the clean shot from the top of the circle. Is it a bad goal? Yesterday, we said maybe not. Has your mind changed since yesterday? No, but I would like to categorize it as definitely a could have. That clean shot from the top, because the could have, meaning that means all the things have to be right in terms of positioning, angle, squareness, depth, you know, your ability to read the release and just like your general will tending skills. But again, a really good shot will beat you some of the time. So for me, that gets categorized as a could have made that save. And so I think that's definitely a lot more simple than what I explained yesterday because I think my brain would did 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 <laughs> cartwheels. But the shot from the top of the circle, because as, you, as you, I know you're going to mention, you're, we're seeing this more and more throughout all levels of hockey. Yeah. And we've talked about last week how players are sort of surpassing or at least catch caught up or surpass the development of goalies. And there's more goals against, save percentages are going down. So this kind of shot is no longer a definitely a should have. It's starting to get pushed into the could have category of, of goals. Yeah, and I, I think, Jamie, before I continue, good news. Save percentages held steady this week. We haven't gone down worse. Nice. Uh, it was a big week. Huge week for that NHL goalies. But yeah, the, the, you hit the two points like that I want to talk about, which is one, this goal is going in across every level, from the NHL down to U12. Um, you see this goal all the time. Now, it's not looking exactly the same at every level, obviously, but it's happening more than I would expect, or definitely more than I probably, you and I would have expected, let's say 10 years ago. Like, I think that goal going in on you 10 years ago, you're pretty upset about now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just more commonplace that we're acknowledging that shooters are changing the angle as they come in and step into that shot. Shooters are hiding their release and opening up their hands later in their release, which changes the angle of the shot. And they're flat out just shooting harder too. Yeah. So all those things, put it in the blender, and that stepping into this t- shot from the top of the circle doesn't look nearly as bad um, as it maybe did 10 years ago. And so I'm with you. I went into the season saying, mm, always got to have that. And as this season's progressed, and I've watched a lot of hockey this year, 
um, with people I've coached and, you know, just different games at different levels. It's happening everywhere. Uh, it's a better shot that I think we give it credit for. And I think we're going to see coaches hopefully see that as well. Cause I think a lot of the time coaches will blame a goalie on that shot. But if your team's also scoring it, <laughs> sorry, if anyone's listening to this on the audio and Jamie has made the face of absolute defeat and that he doesn't have no hope for goal coaches, uh, acknowledging that that might be an okay goal. Well, yeah, because coaches are never happy with anything. Um, and most coaches were not goalies. And so a lot of the bad goals or the knowledge of goaltending that a coach has is from watching hockey and listening to the play-by-play guys. And Down too early, cut off the angle. Yeah, and most of the play-by-play guys are not goalies, and they have a repertoire of like four to seven of the exact same things. Oh, you know, he came out to cut down the angle, bought that one off. Oh, patience is great. Or just like all these things that just like reverberated because it's just, it's easy, it's quick, it's routine. Their brains are working under tremendous amount of speed and pressure. So they got to get, get something off. And so it's like, oh, you just got to cut down the angle. How can we cut that angle off? That's what, that is why you gave up that goal through the tip and the screen because you didn't cut down the angle. Everyone knows that. I heard it on Hockey Night in Canada last week. So I, do I have hope for coaches? Coaches? No. But I hope for goalie coaches. <laughs> no, Mm-mm. I have a co- I have hope for goalie coaches. Uh, at least most goalie coaches are probably on the same page. And if someone maybe isn't like super great or is learning or is new, I have a feeling that I, I have a lot of hope for them that they'll be able to look a little more critically at the play than just you know someone who had spent their whole life as forward or defense. Yeah, Jamie, I did a, a, a probably watch about three hundred to four hundred uh, NHL odd man rushes. Um, at the beginning of this month and end of last month as part of a project I was doing. So I watched a lot of NHL rushes and was pleasantly or interestingly surprised at uh, how many goalies don't even really leave their crease on an odd man rush anymore or like barely leave their crease on an odd man rush. Because I think that's something that's also changed too. I know we're not talking about that today, but it just reminded me that like, you got to cut down the angle. And it's like, well, actually, uh, goalies are taking like half a step out of the crease to get like two feet of backwards momentum on an odd man rush. There's exceptions. Like Saros is more aggressive, but he's also a, the best scares in the league. And very smart. <laughs> There's also a really, really funny clip I have it saved on my computer of Saros just getting absolutely blown up like middle of the net from a wrist shot eight feet from the top of the circle. Like it's it's a one-on-one and he just lets in a clean wrist shot. And it's like just hits the middle of the net and it just makes me laugh because it's like he's so good so talented so dialed in and it just goes to show that that can happen and everyone everyone yeah. that's scored on yeah yeah jamie our last bad goal our last complicated thing that we want to talk about is is it automatically a bad goal if a shot beats you and you weren't on your angle and you weren't square is it automatically yes. a bad goal or <laughs> yes automatically a bad goal we as goalies, we have a very if you Hold on, can we caveat this? Can you at least you know what if it's a what if it's a one timer pass across the slot? No, if you have <laughs> time, so if you have time to be on angle and square on your feet, and you get beat, then and you get beat as a result of not being on angle or square, it is your fault. Yes. Okay. You know, you might lateral release into something and get beat, but that for me is a could have because you're making that save in motion. Or if you're if you're so far behind the play or the play is moving too quick where you have to slide and you get beat, as long as you 
If that slide is a result of your bad play, then it is your fault. But if that slide is a a result of a quick play or a nice move or something, then no, it is not your fault. You can only do your best to chase the middle and get back on angle. But if you have the opportunity to be in the right position and you are not, that is 100% your fault. And that for me is the ultimate bad goal. Yeah, I think the one thing when you look at the best goalies in the world, the one they all they all play differently, right? Um, they're different sizes. They're very different skaters. Yeah. But the one thing that they do all consistently well is get their chest to the puck in the right spot. Yeah. Right. Um, like I think people miss. I think one of the the things that I'm always most interested in is the really, really impressive save that looks really easy. And I know, yeah, but like nothing makes me more upset in a lot of ways with how much more credit we give a sprawling backdoor save than just like a controlled backdoor save. Like I watched the uh, the Leafs highlights from last night. So this is reported on March 27th, so Monday. The Leafs played on the Sunday night. And uh, Joey Wall in net made a bunch of, of lateral and backdoor saves. But the ones that I love were just like good read, good pivot, hard slide, got his chest to the puck, made a pad save, right? The the big lateral saves he made, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I'm if I'm way more impressed if you're making four or five lateral release or complete backdoor saves positionally correct, like you are having a good game. Like you're yeah. doing things right. And for me, like when I see that, it's like, you know, if someone makes not a sprawling save, but say someone makes a really nice backdoor save, like push, like, yeah, I'm like, okay, that's a good save. But I, I just love him, like, oh, step so nice. I just love how he had a little bit of retreat in zone. And he read that, like, oh, that read. It's the read for me. Yeah. The ability to read the play and understand that really fires me up because that is, again, we've talked about how it's very difficult to teach, yep. but that is really the hallmark of a good goalie is someone that is just, thinking the game everything's automatic like that and consistently automatic not just one out of every time yeah i agree and i just want to add one thing to the, the reading thing i thought about this a lot um we had a we had some healthy healthy pushback uh to the reading reading the game concepts and that's fair like we want that like we're we always welcome discussion we think people learn way more us included by good healthy discussion but an analogy I didn't make when we when we recorded that when we were talking about that the first time is like we both think you can't directly teach a game, but you can provide situations to learn in and, and try to understand that. But have you ever just watched at every level how much defensive player puck watching still exists? Like a lot, right? In inherently, puck watching as a defending player, not a goalie, but as a goalie too sometimes. Puck watching as a defending player is a demonstration of poor reading of the game because you're not constantly scanning your surroundings, which means you're not adjusting to the play as it develops because you're focused on the puck. Right? Yeah, I, I can get on board with that. Yeah, so I'll be on this trip here. Um, and so because that, that, like, that happens at every level, I see it a ton at the junior level. Yeah. If we could just teach people to not do that, we'd be able to teach people how to to read the game like that's just in my head the same thing and you can try and explain to people over and over again not to puck watch why you shouldn't puck watch what you should do instead of just puck watching you put them in that high stakes competitive environment again jamie what do they go back to doing 
Big pocket watch. Big pocket watch. And so I think that ties in nicely with like how you were just saying um, that a goal being like a goal going in because you're out of position or a great save happening because you're in position. Mm -hmm. um, those are all products of being able to to read the game there. And that's hard to teach. And so I think that if also we could go in this for is, is being square and be on your angle hard to teach. Is that a fundamental process that is difficult to teach? Yeah, it's incredibly difficult to teach and it takes a very long time. Yeah. You can get out, the thing is you can get out those, like the ropes and the stick and the, you know. Box control. The box control. Box control. Yeah, and you can do that. But how many times do you do that or you explain it to a kid and they go back to doing it wrong? Yeah. Just takes I did it. We all did it. It just okay. takes time. It takes time and understanding. And you could be like, oh, the, the little net in front of you. It's just right there. No, a, a seven-year-old has no idea where they are in their net. And if they do, they're already ahead of the pack. So it just takes time and patience. And I coached some young goalies the other night, and we were doing um, we were doing some like some lateral walks, and I just wanted to make sure that they we I didn't get into like staying behind the puck or anything advanced like that. But I just wanted to make sure they were coming off their post and getting on angle with the shot. And I have to stop and I have to do the old hand wave, just over a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. Good. I do it again. Do it again. Yeah. We're off. Okay. Over a bit more. And eventually they'll get it right. And now I'm looking for is that. Is that becoming, do I have to wave them, direct them less and less? Yes. Okay, then I'm doing a good job. No, I need to change something. And so I think that's a nice place to stop, nice place to stop there, Jamie. Uh, I'm happy that we're able to, again, kind of try and outline what we think or how we should try to look at goals, at least our philosophy at how we look at goals. I think if people don't have a philosophy, they could, you know, try to take something from us. Or if you do have a philosophy that you really like, and you think you like it better than what we presented today, then keep your philosophy, right? There's mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways to look at this. And we just wanted to present um, the way that we kind of approach that. And most importantly, gives us a framework for for what we can talk about, kind of those bad goals or maybe less bad goals that we think that we've been seeing this year. Yeah. And so, Jamie, I'm going to let you plug everything. Also, most importantly, I had a chance to say this yesterday. I'm going to say it again. Everybody go follow Jamie's YouTube page. Um, don't go follow his Patreon page. Jamie does not pay me when he makes money on Patreon. So boycott Jamie's Patreon, hashtag free Ben. Uh, Jamie, go ahead. The thing is, is if more people follow my Patreon, I could afford more storage to <laughs> be able to not lose our audio. But uh, yeah, if you do want to follow me on Patreon, it does not go towards Ben because I do all the content. Uh, I do, and I do actually really appreciate everyone that follows me on that because... It means a lot because I don't get paid to go to coach at Michigan Tech. So it helps. Every cent helps. But like, comment, subscribe. Love to hear your thoughts on this, how you guys categorize it. Um, share this with a friend. Share it wherever you can. Just We just like to get um, you know more people on the same page or at least thinking critically about goaltending and training. Uh, you don't always have to agree with us, but at least take a deeper deeper dive into your own thoughts and your own, your own opinions and beliefs and then try to look at the evidence and come up with a, a better conclusion. So... Ultimately, goalie science is about making goalie smarter, just like science class. I like science class. And on that note, Jamie, until next time. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.